0: everybody welcome to the distributed republic webcast it's fantastic to have you all join us today Uh, we have a very special guest with fraser bell who i'm going to introduce in a little bit Um, but it seems like every time we do one of these episodes now i end up saying this is the largest amount of registrations that we've had for an episode and that's fortunate to be the case again so really grateful to have you join us on this one so for those of you who've not seen the webcast before distributed republic explores the impact of decentralization, Web3, the metaverse and AI on our social, economic and political systems. Our mission is to ensure that communities that can benefit the most from the inception of new technologies have access to the resources, education and expertise to thrive in the digital world. We're a big believer that progress isn't progressive, it's always the same people benefiting. So we want to make sure that this information is accessible um, for you as possible. And in order to be able to do that, we use a, a few different rules, but one of them is that we're going to keep keep our answers as jargon-free as possible and keep our answers short, so you know, you are able to pick up on what's going on. However, it's impossible to talk about these subjects without having a little bit of terminology that sneaks in, and, and you might want to go, hey, I've not heard that word before. Where does that come from? So we do have a terminology guide for Web3, which you can download at... Than.store forward slash Jamie B Brett. And there's a free terminology guide there. So if you hear something and you go, you know what, not come across that term before, hopefully you'll be able to find it in there. And obviously, we welcome your questions and comments. Do give us a, you know, leave us a comment and let us know where you're from, what you're excited to be able to learn about. If you're hearing things as you go through today's episode that you're like, oh, I'd love to know a little bit more we will do our best to answer as many comments and questions as we can at the end. Um, So, today we're talking about Web3 and this is where our expert Fraser Bell comes in. So if you've not heard about Web3 before, it is about a decentralized, trustless, open source digital ecosystem that leverages blockchain technology to enable ownership, control, collaboration in a global interconnected network. It's essentially the next evolution of the internet and e-commerce which leads us on to our fantastic topic, which is the creator economy for Web3, creators, artists, and brands. And my fantastic guest, Frasier, who's very kindly given his time today to be able to join us on today's webcast. I'm not gonna introduce him, I'm going to let Frasier do it himself so he can do full justice to what he does and how he does it.
1: Awesome, yeah, thank you, Jamie. Um, good to be here. So yeah, I'm Fraser Bell, I'm chief marketing officer for a company called Mint Stars. Um, I've been working in Web3 in the NFT space for the last two years now. Um, previously, I was head of operations for an NFT startup called Melon, where we turned viral social media posts like TikToks into tradable NFTs. So I had a lot of experience of kind of the rise of NFTs and, and working with content creators. Um, and prior to that, I've you know I've worked on the launch of numerous NFT platforms for artists, brands, uh, and in the fashion e-commerce space as well. Um Prior to that, I worked in kind of sales and growth roles for a number of different tech startups. So I've seen kind of the regular sort of like Web2 tech world and the rise of the, the kind of Web3 world a bit from the inside.
0: Amazing. Uh, think The rise of Web3 is always the kind of an interesting perspective when we look at how this has evolved from that Web2 world into what's coming next. And such valuable experience that you've got within it. So I'm going to throw out some questions there for you. Um, and then we're going to yeah, kind of work through. If you've got any, if there's, if you hear something on the way, anyone who's watching wants to be able to comment on, do let us know. Um, so, first question for you: How would you define the creator economy, and what role does Web three play in shaping its
1: future? Yeah, so I think obviously the creator economy is super, super broad area. I guess the the sort of like macro definition that I tend to use is that it's the way that people can make money online from creative endeavors, normally creating content. And we think that there's 50 million people that fit into that that category now that make some kind of living or or, or significant income um, online. Um, Some people make a lot, others make very, very little. And what we've seen over the last sort of 10 years or so with the Web2 world is that ability for people to create, use different social media platforms, build an audience, and then monetize it. Now, they've monetized it in different ways, whether it's subscriptions to to give people more content, whether it's through influencer marketing, um, or whether it's through actually selling their own sort of physical products and, and services, courses, all these different things. All of that is sort of sits within the creator economy. And then why is that kind of interesting for for Web3? Well, I think there's there's sort of two ways to think about it. One way is that Web3 and some of the the technologies that we're going to talk about are, for people like me, they're a way that creators can make more money from some of those activities and underpin some of those activities. Um, And then secondly, they represent like totally kind of new opportunities to sell different types of goods, different types of products whether that's NFTs, whether it's um, different kind of tokens and and things like that, there's a whole kind of bunch of stuff that I'm sure we'll we'll go into on on this call.
0: Fantastic. A really good explanation, I think. Yeah, kind of following on from that, that Web3 for me looks like the opportunity to almost be what the internet could have been uh, or should have been, where, you know, you make the money from your own labor, from your digital output, because we're all outputting stuff into our digital worlds all of the time and a lot of the time it's the middleman who's being compensated for that if i think to 2015 you had things like airbnb with the biggest real estate agent didn't own any real estate you know uber largest taxi firm didn't own any taxis facebook biggest content creator didn't create any content um, so now it's about you know balancing those scales and this i think is such a big opportunity for particularly marginalized communities as well where they're often marginalized because of centralized institutions to potentially participate through decentralized technology and decentralized platforms uh, to potentially leverage their own labor, which I think is a fantastic opportunity for creators. So with that in mind, how do you see the creator economy impacting traditional economic models and what role does Web3 play in this disruption? Yeah,
1: I think the first sort of point to to go off from there is, is, what you said about decentralised kind of economic models and and what that means. And it sort of starts with the the best way to explain it is is kind of using that analogy that that you mentioned of middlemen and that platforms have governed the relationships between creators, people that make content, and and fans. And even if you like brands and and how businesses reach their consumers, they need to do Facebook ads, they need to do Instagram ads, they need to go through those those central actors. But what what Web3 technology is is it's a it's a set of tools that gives people ownership of digital assets. And that could be ownership of their audience relationships. It could be ownership of the the actual content that they produce and assigns kind of different independent owners to those those bits of content. Um, and what that what that that means is that there's much more scope for people to deal directly with their fans and bring in significant revenue from interacting with their fans. So just to you know you can delve into to all sorts of different examples but think about you know the the audience of this uh this show today they might have mm-hmm. found us through LinkedIn if LinkedIn were to disappear we would lose that connection with those people if the people watching this were to own say a token or an nft that represented their viewership of this this show this, with distributed republic, mm-hmm. then we could bring those relationships to any Number of different compatible platforms that recognise NFTs and therefore kind of maintain those relationships across multiple platforms. So that's kind of one example of how those middlemen or those economic models can be kind of disrupted.
0: Love it. I think. Well, obviously, the great example when you're using distributed republic is the example. Not that I'm biased at all, <laughs> um, but it is. It's about you know keeping that ownership, and we think about how people can be affected by changing algorithms and particularly if we think of our TikTok generation, somebody changes the algorithm and goes, actually, we're we're the central institution and we want this kind of content now. So we're going to reward you for doing this kind of content. And you go, well, that's great. But actually, I used to produce this and it used to do really well. But now you want something different from me. So you have a lot of control as a centralized institution for being able to do that. And I think a lot of people are worried with NFTs to when they're looking at it, they're looking at, you know, images and artwork, and that that's obviously part of it in digital ownership. But what we're really talking about is this amazing opportunity for you to keep your viewership, to be able to have your community and to, to retain that on your terms and, and look at the utility of these amazing applications, because NFTs are do have fantastic utility but we've kind of got it lost within the, well, there's been artworks and there's been scams and there's all of those kind of stuff. Um, So, yeah, Yeah. it's a really interesting aspect. And those economic models, once again, changing it to go, I think I was talking with um, a a Lord at the House of Parliament not that long ago who said, this is the fourth ledger. You know, this is, up until this point, everything's been kept on centralised systems and therefore it's all governed through those centralised institutions. And this is the next version to go, well, how do we make sure that this is legislated for in a decentralized way and that's some amazing mm. opportunities mm. so next question for you can you discuss the potential for blockchain technology to empower creators artists in terms of revenue generation and ownership
1: yeah for sure so i think sort of worth saying in in the context of like what the creator economy is that a lot of the activities that, that we're taking part in and creators are taking part in, whether it's artists or content creators or even brands, they are activities that take place solely online. And so all of the work, all of the output, whether it's articles, photos, um, videos, in-game in items within video games, they exist purely digitally. And with Web3, all of those items are being accounted for and able to be owned by different people and bought and sold and traded. And so what that means and the sort of big potential for Web3 for creators is to monetize all of that output in different ways, whether it's selling those items to fans and then layering on top of that. If you buy those items as a fan, you now have more access to me. Maybe in the future, you have some kind of voting rights associated with those items. So it allows people to build out these really, really powerful kind of communities and groups through the existing kind of work that they're putting into their their content. That's like the kind of big macro opportunity within each of those different verticals. So I mentioned artists, for example, there's specific you know, benefits to using this technology, benefits and and drawbacks. In the case of art, the benefit is you can look back at provenance. Is this a version of a piece of artwork that was, you know, authenticated by the original artist? We can see that on the blockchain if it was. Whereas in, you know, in the case of certain uh, other artifacts, you know, you can verify who owned it in the past, what it was bought for, what it was sold for. So there's all kinds of different sort of specifics in there. And I think when you think about why people wanna do that and why is this interesting for creatives, there's also something around self-expression. So on social media or or elsewhere, people have always wanted to align themselves to certain brands, certain causes, certain movements. And the purpose of, of this kind of ownership and ownership of different digital assets is that you can provably say, I am a part of this community or I am a supporter of this community. And so I think that's something that's super powerful. If you're an artist or a creative, what does your audience want to be associated with you online? If so, then maybe exploring Web3 and, and, and perhaps NFTs in particular is something to look at. I love what you said there, particularly when you're aligning it with digital
0: identity. And I think there is such a powerful fact of, of changing spending habits and the changing nature we have with our online world, probably magnified and 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 accelerated because of the pandemic. But it's things like, I uh, remember reading research the other day, that over 70% of US consumers consider their digital identity to be as important or equal to their traditional identity. And that also reflects spending habits as well, particularly from a, a younger generation perspective. Uh, I always use the example of a friend of mine called Thomas who who was talking about uh, getting his daughter Christmas presents. And she's like, Dad, I need a new coat. I need new shoes. He's like, "What on earth are you on about? You've got a coach, you've got shoes." You. She's like, "No, you don't understand. This for my avatar in Roblox, and therefore no longer needing to own a physical product, but being able to have uh, to give value to something digitally is something that we've not really seen, even within our our, our web two or web uh, one world. Um, but we see much more within this creator economy, which I think is very interesting." So, if, if, if you want yeah, to jump
1: in on that, yeah. I think I think the most successful and most sort of obvious examples of where we're going to see Web3 kind of infiltrating our, our everyday lives are when it aligns to those existing behaviours. So, for example, mm-hmm. when you, you talk about the in-game items or the, you know, the, the metaverse items or digital fashion, people already want to express themselves online all the kind of Web3 technology or or the NFTs, if you were to use them for those in-game items would do, is it would just make those easier to buy and sell between players. It's just Mm -hmm. a a tool. Whereas I think it's easy to kind of look at certain things that are going on in Web3 and say, is that actually reflective of the way that people want to interact already? Or are people trying to impose something that that doesn't align with that? But in-game items is a perfect example of where I think it really does align with how people want to to express themselves online.
0: Yeah, I think yeah. When you're looking at things like the fashion, uh, Metaverse Fashion Week, AI Fashion Week, the first AI Fashion weeks just come out, just goes to show that there's there's a huge amount that we can tie into self-expression with digital items now. Which I think leads me nicely onto my next question, which is how do you think Web3 and the creator economy can contribute to addressing social inequalities, particularly in terms of
1: access, ownership, and wealth distribution? Yeah, I think the first piece that that I would start with, and something that I've I've seen during my time sort of working full time in the space, is the kind of global nature of of Web three as an industry. Um, and I think that's on people who work in the space. It's on people who want to participate through you know investing in Web three products or or spending time from a technological perspective experimenting. Um, and I think the ability to use cryptocurrency for payments and things like that really kind of knocks down borders in terms of people's ability to work for different people, work with um, other people. I think it also reflects how people want to work, whether it's mm-hmm. making a living through creating and creating digital content and being better able to monetize that. Um, the only thing I would would kind of highlight as a bit of a caveat and, and drawback in terms of where we are at the moment is mm-hmm. the best sort of the best in class or established like principles of how you should work how you should be paid you know working hours and protections and stuff like that haven't necessarily been there in the last few years in in crypto for the last 10 years and maybe in the last sort of two three years in the NFT space and we're only just kind of getting to that sort of professionalization of how people work together in the space what is acceptable behavior and and, and what isn't on the sort of last last piece of the question about wealth distribution I think what Web3 is great at is giving people different ways to monetize their community. What it's not so great at is helping people build exposure for themselves and and their brand right now. There's still a massive, massive challenge for content creators and and people who make a living online to build an audience. They've still got to go and build that audience on a Web2 platform and, and, and really fight hard to do it. And I think if we can say, okay, we know how to monetize the audience, maybe with some of these, these technologies, if we can change the way people build their audience, I think that would be huge from the sort of inequality um, and access mm-hmm. perspective
0: love it like there's so much i want to pick up on like um particularly i was thinking around when you were talking about you know more of the the institutional aspect is that decentralized and and centralized centralized platforms don't necessarily produce different outcomes they just have a different way of getting to an outcome and i think that sometimes people are, are too prone to going Oh, I definitely need to do this in Web two. I'm like, actually, that one's probably more of a Web two kind of thing. You might want to have that centralized because of what it's trying to achieve. However, if you're trying to achieve this, then you want to be able to go through a Web three look, and that's just really looking how the data goes through the system and who's who benefits at what part of the process. I always use the example of uh, of you can go to a shopping center to you know uh, go and get your groceries or whatever, or you can go to a market. The market's more of a decentralized metaphor, and that you're you're. Tesco's is more of your centralised central. You'll still walk away with some fruit at the end, but who benefits at what point and how do you make sure that that community, you know, that you're you're funding the people that you want to fund and you've got the ownership with the people that you want to be able to give that ownership to is the, the difference in nature. And that's something that we haven't had before from, a, I think, from a web perspective. And yeah, the, the community building aspect of as well, even terminologies coming around, things like fan you know, being able to sell to your fans. So you're no longer selling to consumers. You're selling to fans of you, your product, the service that you do. Um, and being able to keep it within those communities is, is a massive aspect of it. Now, I've got another question coming up. But before I go into that, I just want to be able to say if anyone else has questions, comments, thoughts that they want to be able to add, there's about a one minute delay between us talking and you getting this broadcast. So we'll do this, go into this question. But do feel free, use Fraser's expertise while he's in the room with us. Uh, to be able to kind of put your comments in and we'll, we'll definitely go back to them in a few minutes. So big question to kind of finish off before we go to the, the audience. Um, what are the key ethical considerations around Web3 in the creator economy space and how can they be addressed to ensure a fair and transparent system? I think you touched on this a little bit with your last answer that people mm. are kind of figuring out this this regulation at the moment where you go, the technologies evolve far quicker than the institutions that are able to regulate it, and now we're kind of backtracking and going, wait a second, how do we do this from an ethical and considerate manner?
1: Yeah, I think there's there's three sort of main main considerations or a way to split it um, that I'll go with. One is project or brand transparency. So the technology and, and there's this sort of pull towards decentralization, and in some cases that means anonymity. It means Multiple people are responsible for for kind of different processes when we think about decentralized autonomous organizations or, or DAOs, and you know aiming to make it a, a more collective system of operation, but still having accountability even though there's there's that kind of decentralized force going on. The second is like technological transparency. So we mm-hmm. saw last year with the the collapse of of FTX that people who bought NFTs on on that exchange found that. The, basically the servers their nfts were pointing towards no longer work so they no longer had their nfts there's an issue about if we're making tech choices to do with web3 or using crypto or a blockchain are we being open with our audience about that and then the third point and this is probably kind of the the, the most significant and high profile one is um financial transparency so crypto is in a lot of ways about money and and payments and and ownership And you basically see there's a lack of of that transparency. So a really good example from this year is Bitcoin ordinals, which are basically this new way where you can create an NFT on the Bitcoin blockchain. And it's only been possible for the last few months since sort of the start of this year. And loads of people have been talking about it. Some people Mm -hmm. writing it off, saying it won't be a thing. Mm -hmm. Some people who are excited about the tech and they're just Mm -hmm. saying, this is great. I love the tech. And then there's other people who are saying it's great, but it's almost certain that they are doing it because they recognize as a financial opportunity to be first, to promote the NFTs that they've created, that they've invested in. And it's very hard to tell out of those three categories, like who is in which one and and why. And there's very little kind of regulation or Mm -hmm. sort of transparency at at that level. Um, So it's it's just to be aware of, of kind of all of those things. I think that the only sort of solution or or way I've seen it change is just a broader degree of professionalization of founders, operators, consultants in, in, in the space. Um, mm-hmm. And so hopefully kind of over time, along with a little bit of regulation from government as well, things will kind of go, go in, in the right direction.
0: Such an interesting example. I think when we're talking in the Web three space, one thing that I've noticed a lot about these kind of conversations around ethical considerations is the amount of nuance that needs to be able to go into it. Because I can think of when you talk about Bitcoin, some people love Bitcoin because they're Bitcoin purists and they're like, realistically, this is the only only coin that's out there that that functions in the way that we want. And you know, everything else is kind of tying into different. You know, there, there's different nuances to the the way that those exchanges work. Um, and yeah, that, that makes for an interesting ecosystem. And also some of the, the ways that we can kind of look at going, well, is it an economic opportunity? Do, what challenges does it bring? I always think the biggest ethical quandary or, or conversation that I, I think works for this conversation is around if when, we've, um, when economic sanctions were imposed on Russia, if Russia had cryptocurrency as, as their primary um, their funding and everything like that as their primary currency, You wouldn't have been able to do economic sanctions you know it wouldn't have worked because it's all based on centralized institutions and being able to go well actually we're going to lock out of this system we're going to lock out of that system which means you can no longer do that um however and that might mean as an individual if you're a russian citizen you would go well i would have been able to protect my money or my money would have been worth more and that goes for everybody across the world every every country is suffering uh some degree of economic instability um, I'm not saying that the cryptocurrencies are any more secure by any stretch of the imagination, but it does mean that you're not necessarily impacted by the decisions of a country or, or a wider institution because you have, it's decentralized. It's not affected by the same centralized institutions. So really, really interesting aspect. Is there anything else you wanted to comment on that one before I head into comments and questions? No,
1: nope. good, to, good to go
0: amazing we've had lots of comments not necessarily sure we've got a lot of questions but let's have a look so we have people joining us from all over allison from uh, metacampus thank you very much for joining um we have lots of people looking to connect with people within the space as well so thank you very much as well um here is one of the question um and I think it's a really good one to be able to sign to you, Fraser. What, uh, particularly with Mintstars, what does Mintstars do and how how do they work with supporting the creator economy?
1: Yeah, sure. So Mintstars is basically an NFT subscription platform for content creators and, and their fans. So think kind of Patreon or OnlyFans, but with we a lot of basically problems that we saw with those those Web2 platforms fixed, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. particularly on, on the kind of crypto side, issues around chargebacks for creators, um, and financial discrimination against certain types of creator or creators based in certain locations, for example, with crypto, you're able to kind of sidestep that. And then on the NFT side, the ability to use NFTs to pay back royalties from content that creators have made and been resold. That's something that's really interesting and in that we we do through Minstars. Um, so yeah, that's, that's us. Amazing. It, it, it's it's so interesting seeing all these
0: projects come up and really designing economies as they go along, microeconomies as they go along, in the way that all of these things can work together and, and can work in a decentralized way. It's a bit of probably similar to uh, what we would have said about the, the internet, you know, 10, 15 years ago, the Wild West era of the internet. Now we kind of have the Wild West era of Web3, where there's so much opportunity and so many different ways of exploring and doing things. And then we're figuring out a lot of what's going on along the way as well, which I think very interesting space. So, and, and sounds like an amazing project. Uh, I've got another comment here, which I think is more of a comment, but I, definitely worth feeding into. So the tokenization of business services, products, and creating dApps on Web3 will be interesting. Promotifying, uh, pr- promoting unified ethical standards will also be important to ensure that everyone has equal access for the opportunity of to participate free from nepotism secure and interoperable what are your thoughts on that
1: yeah i think on the unified standards piece whether it's technical or ethical Mm -hmm. that's something that's going to be crucial in terms of driving adoption you know if 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 nfts aren't interoperable so that you know people can consume let's say photos or videos that they've paid for as nfts on different platforms that's going to be a huge issue from an ethical perspective, there's been a really interesting debate over the last 12 months about royalties being paid back to mm-hmm. creators. So there's been effectively a massive issue where NFT marketplaces have more or less decided not to pay resale royalties back to, let's say, photographers who've minted their work as NFTs. There's been a race mm-hmm. to the bottom in in those standards. And, and that's that's you know, very, very hard to avoid, unless you can solve that from a technological perspective, you're going to end up with sort of, uh, you know, potentially a race to the bottom and things like that. So i definitely keep an eye out for that.
0: Very interesting, Um, fantastic. I think that's pretty much all of the comments that we have from today's one, which is, you know, amazing. And thank you so much for giving your time, insights, the education around it. Um, I think also just wanted to pick up on one thing in case people have asked, Interoperable is the ability to take a digital asset from one platform and be able to basically port it into another one um, and that's really it underpins so many aspects of what we're looking for from our, our future web and the future of e-commerce which is essentially how can we make sure that you can use it to be able to underpin objects and games or, or to be able to have it as a way to be able to connect people to token gated spaces so if you want to be able to have someone in, enter your metaverse platform with an nft they can do it but they also might be able to enter another platform with that same nft mm-hmm. it's almost like your 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 digital uh, security card to be able to get into some spaces so any last comments before i wrap up for today's episode
1: yeah i would just say you know keep an eye out for a potential kind of game-changing event in in web3 mm-hmm. You know, if someone like uh, the example I always think of is if Revolu added support, the Revolu, the bank added support for NFTs in the app, you know, what Mm -hmm. would that mean for dot? How would that spread things? Um, Mm -hmm. That's that's the kind of thing I'm keeping an eye out for some kind of big event that maybe just puts this in front of like a whole new audience at once. It just had the
0: the image of the little kid in The Incredibles. Like, what are you looking for? And he's like, something amazing, I guess.
1: Exactly. <laughs> um, exactly.
0: <laughs> and I, 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 there's going to be that moment, I think, very similarly to how it has happened with, you know, AI technologies have been around for a long time, working in, in very positive and meaningful ways. But then you've got the one moment where people go, oh, my God, I can see how this is going to shift everything. And it captures people's imagination. And I think maybe... You know six months a year two years down the line you're going to see the same thing with web3 so an amazing opportunity to be part of it we've had some really positive feedback in the comments from the set, from people so thank you so much for your time um if anyone wants to be able to apply to be a guest on the show please feel free to visit us at www.distributedrepublic.xyz we also have a community there um, more than welcome to join it's all around learning around metaverse web3 and ai technologies uh, we host lots of webinars and stuff like this and if you're interested in being able to get the support of myself or Frasier do feel free to be able to reach out to us you know we, we love to be able to provide this kind of information this kind of support um, and yeah so if you're curious about it make sure you get in contact and thank you once again Frasier we'll catch you all next time in the next episode
1: thank you thanks for having me